invite you to turn with me tonight to Psalm 116, Psalm 116, a verse tonight uh, in verse 15 that I'm sure you've heard before. I've never uh, had the opportunity to preach on it before. I've had, I just haven't taken that opportunity and looking forward to doing that tonight. Psalm 116, while you're turning there, I want to welcome those who are visiting with us. We're always glad to see visitors and we want to just welcome you in the Lord tonight. Thank you for being here. I also just want to sit down in the front row there and hearing all the children, the little ones particularly, uh, through the congregation, and uh, just a thank you to our parents, our young parents who are not afraid to uh, and willing to bring your small children out and worship with the Lord. Jesus loves the little children, and uh, so it's so healthy for a congregation when, when we're bringing our children together in in, uh, in worship and honoring the Lord that way. It uh, it blesses it blesses me, but more importantly, it blesses the heart of our God. So kudos to our. Uh, parents of young children for doing that. I just I think it's so beautiful. Tonight, uh, let's give our attention to God's Word, Psalm 116. Let's pick it up at verse 1. We'll be looking at verse 15. I love the Lord because He has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because He inclined His ear to me, therefore I will call on Him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I walked before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Let's ask the Lord to bless the word. Our God in heaven, we come now tonight to your word, um, this inspired poetry, inspired by the Spirit of God, and I pray, Lord, that we would hear your voice speaking to us loud and clear tonight, and that we would respond in faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The title of my message tonight is Christ's Perspective on the Death of His Saints. Christ's Perspective on the Death of His Saints. Uh, we've been reminded uh, again this past week of the reality of death. As a week ago now, uh, our sister in Christ, Jane Prince, uh, passed quietly from this life into the next it's not like we had forgotten that uh, death uh, was real and present. We know that we are mortal. We know that intellectually. Uh, but when a loved one is taken, when death comes close to home, uh, the reality of our mortality oppresses itself uh, home in a, in a new way, a fresh way, a painful way again. 
And we experience this uh, throughout the year as we, uh, there are anniversaries um, for many of you of loved ones who've, uh, who have died, uh, anniversaries of the death of a spouse, uh, anniversaries of the death of a parent, a father, a mother, a grandparent, anniversaries of the death of a child, a close friend, uh, for some the pain of the remembrance of a miscarriage or, or several. There was a living person in the womb and then that little baby died. And those are the realities that we live with and that we walk with uh, as we go through this year. I remember saying at the beginning of the year in 2018, there will be funerals. There will be, there will be painful reminders of uh, the mortality that we all face. And we tend to think of death, particularly when it's happened uh, to someone whom we, uh, that's close to us. We tend to think of death uh, from our perspective and what we see at the funeral, what we see as we think about uh, this death is our loss. And we, we think about our pain and the pain of those who were so closely related. And um, a, a large part of our grief is not just for our loss, but the loss of, of others who were, uh, were closely related. For that, that dear brother or sister who lost a child. Uh, that, that, that brother or sister who lost a spouse. And we see their pain and, and that's part of ours. And it's not wrong to look at uh, death that way. The, the loss is real. And so from our perspective, the words that we would use to describe death are words like uh, emotionally devastating, intellectually incomprehensible. When I heard that uh, Jane had died, I, it simply didn't make sense. Uh, a woman so full of life, uh, so much left to offer to her family and, and to her friends and to the church. It's, um, but we, we experience that, but we, particularly when someone dies young, particularly when a child dies, or someone maybe in the, in the prime of, of their health and their youth. Uh, we would describe death as tragic, uh, something that brings great sorrow. We, we almost always feel that it's untimely. It, it, it almost always feels like too soon, particularly, again, when it's a young person. And death feels conclusive. It feels so final. It's the end of things. That's how it, how it seems. The end of that life. The end of that, that person's voice. Their laughter. Their love. The relationship that we had with them. The, the end of all the joy that they brought into our life. That's what death seems like to us. And so we, we, we hate death and we, we grieve death as we think about it from our perspective. We can also think about death from the perspective, and we do this as believers, from the perspective of the person that died. And we remind ourselves when a, a loved one dies in the Lord, when they die in faith, we remind ourselves that while it's lost for us, it's not lost for them. And we remember the things that Paul says, uh, to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's better by far, he says, to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Blessed are the dead that die in the Lord, we read in Revelation chapter 14, 13. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit. And so we remind ourselves of, of what our loved one has gained, of all that's theirs in glory. And that's a, a right and good thing to do. Our, our uh, 
Catechism, Westminster Larger Catechism, reminds us of those glories. A question and answer 86. What is the communion in glory with Christ which members of the invisible church enjoy immediately after death? And the answer is the communion in glory with Christ which the members of the invisible church enjoy immediately following death is that their souls are made perfect in holiness and received into the highest heaven where they behold the face of God in light and in glory. And we believe that with the eyes of faith. We claim that. We celebrate the victory of our loved one, even though we grieve their loss. But one of the uh, things that we maybe seldom do is think about death from God's perspective. We think about it from our perspective and from the perspective of the loved one who has died, but, but we seldom think of it from from God's perspective, what does God think? How does, what does God say about um, this event? Because God has a different definition, a different description. He uses a different word. When God looks on the death of one of his children, God says, precious. Precious. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. What does that mean? Well, it's pretty straightforward. The uh, the Hebrew word here means uh, literally something that's weighty, something that is uh, like a precious stone, a uh, a heavy jewel or or, or the weight of a metal, a precious metal like gold. It's something of great value, something of great significance, something that's splendid in God's sight. Precious means, in God's eyes, the death of a saint is highly valuable, desirable. It was interesting, as I was looking through the commentators, uh, commentaries on this um, verse, that one after the other, the commentators uh, read this as, as, um, as though it reads, precious in the sight of the Lord is the life of his saints, And so they'll talk about how precious uh, the life of God's people are to him, that he values our life. He he gives us life and he protects our life. And and that makes sense in the context of Psalm 116 where David is recording, or or whoever the the, the author, we're not sure it's David, but the, the writer is recording his thanksgiving because he cried out to God and God preserved his life. And he's thanking the Lord for that. And he says, I'm going to take up the cup of salvation and, and call upon the name of the Lord. I'm going to pay my vows to the Lord. God is so good. He's been so kind. He preserved me. He, he rescued me from death. And so in that, in that context, it would, it would make sense to, to see this as uh, precious in the sight of the Lord is the life of a saint. But it's not what it says. The word is clear. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death. Of his saints, that not only is our life precious to God, but the truth is that our death also is precious to Him. How would that be possible? How would how is it that God sees the death of His saints as a precious thing? Well, we just one thing to note: he, he, it doesn't mean that God sees all death as precious. Uh, the Bible talks about. Uh, death as the penalty that, that came into the world because of sin. Before there was sin, there wasn't any death. Adam and Eve lived and had the prospect of living forever in the Garden of Eden as they listened to the Lord and walked with Him and served Him. 
And yet the moment, God says, the moment you eat of the fruit of the tree, the moment you, you turn against me and join with the devil, in that moment you will die. And, and so when the devil comes to Adam and comes, comes to Eve and says, what, what did God, did, did God say that you can't eat any of these trees? And she said, no, he just said to this one, we can't eat, eat of it or, or touch it. And if we do, we'll die. And what, is, what did the devil say? Oh, you shall not surely die. You won't really die. That's just God trying to maybe scare you off a little. He's afraid that you're going to uh, have the knowledge of good and evil like he does. And so Eve believed the lie. And she took the fruit and she ate it and she gave it to Adam. Because it looked good to the eyes and seemed pleasing for food and desirous to make one wise. And we died. In Adam's fall, we sinned all, and uh, death came into the world through one man. Paul speaks of that very clearly in Romans chapter 5. Through one man's disobedience, death came to all. And death now is in the world, and we're numb to it. We read in the newspapers. We, we see it day after day after day. A plane crashed, I believe, just recently in, in Russia, 70 dead. A bomb goes off in some market someplace, and 80 are dead. Uh, a great, uh, an accident of some sort, and scores are dead. And we look at the obituaries day after day, we're, we're just numb to death. We drive by the cemeteries, we, we, hardly, we hardly hear it anymore until it comes close to home. And then suddenly we, we're brought face to face with it again. Well, what the Bible is saying here, precious um, is this, in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And that matters, the death of his saints. God does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. We read that in, in Ezekiel. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, says the Lord. Death is judgment. Death is condemnation. Death is the last enemy that's going to be destroyed. In the new heaven and the new earth, there will be no more death. So he doesn't see all death as precious, but why does he see the death of his saints as precious? And there are many answers we could give to that. I would like to just give you two tonight as we look at this text together. One answer is that the death of God's saints are precious because the, the saints of God are precious in his sight. One of the great truths of the Bible, the truths that, get, that gets trumpeted throughout Scripture, and yet a truth that's hard for us to hear and to receive, is the idea, the truth, that God delights in his children, that God loves his children. He finds his, his people to be precious in his sight. Isaiah chapter 43, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, informed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. The question is, why? Why, why would these things be true? Why would this be so? And the answer is because, verse 4, you are precious in my eyes. You are precious in my eyes, exactly the same language, and honored and I love you. Now just think of that. Stop, just let your little brain wrestle with that. The God who speaks and the mystery and the majesty of galaxies 
spring into being. And all their glory, all their beauty, all their just incredible expanse and magnificence. The God who who spoke and it happened. That God says to, to you, you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. And, and that's not just one verse. You, could find it, you find it throughout Scripture. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness and quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Boys and girls, um, how would you like it if, if uh, mom or dad uh, just, uh, you, you came downstairs in the morning and they just started singing over you? It'd be a little embarrassing, wouldn't it? But it, wouldn't it also sort of feel kind of cool to be delighted in that way? You'd laugh and in your heart you'd feel, you'd feel special. The Bible says that God exalts over his people with loud singing. Psalm 103, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love toward those who fear him. How high is the heaven above the earth? Well, we don't know yet. We haven't found the the outer expanse of the universe. But as high as that is, wherever it might be, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. And as you see, it is that love that's the fountain of all that God has done for sinners in Jesus Christ. That God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. God who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, made us alive together in Christ. It is by grace you've been saved. Ephesians 2 verse 4. God loves his saints. He delights in his saints. His saints are precious in his eyes. And because, you see, his saints are precious, their death is precious. There's a special glory, there's a special holiness to the dying moments of God's saints. God is there. He promises to be there. When you go through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the river, they will not overwhelm you. They're dying in their and their death is precious to God. I've been, I don't know how many deathbeds now. And there's a holiness. Not just that a person is leaving this life. But when you're at the deathbed of a loved one, I'll never forget the first time I, I witnessed a, a, a man who was, who was dying, clearly dying. And I went to visit him. This was way back in Chino. And uh, just a joyful uh, older man. And he... Um, he could feel that his, his legs were beginning to grow cold and that the death was approaching. And the joy that was beaming from this man's face as he knew death was hours away and could not wait to see Jesus. You see, it's not just that people are going through this momentous transformation from this life to the next life, but that the people of God are, are, are going through that transformation and Jesus has them by the hand. He takes them from their sickbed into his presence. God is always at the sickbed 
at the dying place and time of his children. And he's there always, not like a nervous parent, anxious. Jesus is there in all of his omnipotence, in all of his omniscience, in all of his sovereign purpose, in all of his saving love, in all of his, his joyful confidence as he brings another child home. He's always there acting, not responding. Spurgeon says the Lord watches over their dying beds, smooths their pillows, sustains their hearts, and receives their souls. Those who are redeemed with precious blood are so dear to God that even their deaths are precious to him. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints because the saints are precious in his sight, in his eyes. And and we have evidence of that, of course, in the fact that Jesus Christ gave his own precious blood to purchase the saints, not because of, of our value, but because of the God's great love. He loves us in his son. Secondly, it's precious, the saints of God's, the death of God's saints is precious in his sight because for his saints it is not death to die. You see, God delights when he sees the reality of what he has, uh, has accomplished in Christ coming to pass, coming to bear fruit. Uh, we see death as an ending. It, it's, it's very difficult for us to see it in any other way. But, but God sees uh, the death of the saints as a glorious beginning. Finally, they're breaking free. Paul talks about this. We're talking in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 about how we want to put off this tattered old tent. And we want to put off what is mortal so that we can be clothed with immortality. We want to put off what is perishable, 1 Corinthians 15, so that we can be clothed with what is imperishable. We want this mortality to be swallowed up by life. That's what God sees in the death of a saint. What is mortal is being swallowed up by life. It looks like uh, death is swallowing up life, but it's exactly the opposite. Life is swallowing up death for God's saints. You see, every, every death of every saint is a victory every time. We are already more than conquerors through him who loved us and nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ. And with death comes, it is just evidenced over and over and over again that death cannot separate us but death is now the servant of God to usher us into the presence of our Lord. Every saint of God, you see, passes through the valley of the shadow of death the way Israel passed through the waters of the Red Sea. The waters did not overwhelm them. The waters were their servant. The waters parted and became a passage out of bondage and into liberty. And as God took great delight in leading his people through the waters of the Red Sea, God takes great joy in leading his children through the waters of death. And they are not harmed. They are not hurt. As he delivers them through the water of death into the liberty and the freedom of the children of God. It is not death to die for saints. There's a, a hymn, an old hymn. It reads, it is not death to die. To leave this weary road and midst the brotherhood on high to be at home with God. You see friends, God the Father loves to save his children to the uttermost. He loves to bring them all the way home. He, Jesus Christ loves to carry his children safely to their eternal dwelling place. 
to the the place that he has prepared for them, what he has accomplished for them. The Holy Spirit loves to see the, the work that has been begun in the sinner's life by faith and through grace now carried out to glorious completion as that saint dies and enters into glory. Morally perfected, the Spirit's work is accomplished. How precious, you see, is the death of a saint in the eyes of God. Spurgeon again writes, God the Father sees the fruit of his eternal love at last gathered in. Jesus sees the purchase of of his passion at last secured. The Holy Spirit sees the object of his continual labors at last perfected. The Lord delights in the death of his saints because those who know him and belong to him It is not death to die. It's a promise that Jesus gave. It confounded his enemies. In John chapter 8, Jesus is having a dialogue with the uh, leaders, the rulers. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, John 8, 51, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Sounds very much like what Jesus said to to Mary in, uh, in John chapter 11, after Lazarus had died. Whoever believes in me will never die. And the Jews said to him, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Everybody dies. And yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Great question. It's a wonderful question. Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answers, I make myself out to be the way and the truth and the life. That if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. And that if anyone comes to me, he will in no wise be cast out. How can you say that those who keep your word will never taste death? The author of the book of Hebrews tells us it's because he, the very son of God, tasted death in our place. 2 verse 9, we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Jesus tasted death for everyone who believes in him, for everyone who believes in his word. Because of, of the guilt-bearing, sin-atoning, wrath-propitiating death of Jesus Christ in our place, bearing our sin, his saints don't see death. That's what he says. They fall asleep. But that's even, even that is just physically, because they are not sleeping spiritually. The moment their spirit departs from this body, they, I promise you, are not asleep. But they immediately, Jesus said to the man on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. They immediately see the wonder of God. What they taste, you see, is not death. What they taste is is the joy of heaven. What they experience is is not failure, it's not loss, it is glory, unimaginable. They are immediately, in their full consciousness, joined with all the saints of heaven. 
It is not death to fling aside this sinful dust and rise on strong, exalting wing to live among the just. One of the glories of heaven is that we, we, when we die, we go to be with the saints, all of God's saints who've died in, in Christ and to fellowship with them, to, to commune then uh, with Abraham, truly, and David and, and Mary and Rahab. And whoever your favorite Bible character might have been, the, the, the fact is it's not, it's not a fairy tale. It's not, a, it's not just a, an idea story. Hebrews 12, 23 talks about the, the spirits of the righteous who've been made perfect and that we, we, we gather with them when we gather in, in sacred assembly in, in church. But there's, a, there's, a, there's a, an assembly in heaven of the spirits of those who've been made perfect. There's a community there. Before Joanne and I went on sabbatical, we, uh, we read some travel books and we looked at pictures and we, and we identified places and names and things that we wanted to do. And, and that was nice, but it's nothing compared to actually going. Nothing could prepare you for the reality of Westminster or, or, or St. Paul's Cathedral or York Minster. You, you just walk in and, and you can't help but be overwhelmed by the beauty and the vastness. And you see, friends, as we read our Bible now, as we live our Christian life and encourage each other, we're, we're doing Rick Steves' travel guide in some sense, right? We're, we're reading the stories, and we know the truth, and we, we get a sense of the names and the places and, and the things that are yet to come. But, but when you get there, well, you just realize that it wasn't possible with your mortal mind to, to understand or grasp. No eye has seen, no mind has conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And so your loved ones, friends, those who've died in the Lord, you know their names. That's where they are. And of course, the great glory is that they in their full consciousness see Jesus face to face. You see, and that's why God delights, because that's what Jesus Wanted In John chapter 17, Jesus, as he's praying before going to the cross, he says, Father, I desire that they also whom you've given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you've given me because you love them before the foundation of the world. Jesus' desire is that those whom he gave his life for, those whom he purchased with his blood, he says, Father, I want them to come and be with me where I am and I want them to see my glory. Because that's infinite happiness and joy. You see, friends, Jesus did not die to give us a good long life here on earth. He didn't, he didn't die for that. Jesus died and rose again to give you eternal life with him in a new heaven and a new earth. Paul says, in fact, that if we are, um, if, if Christ, if in Christ we have hope for this life only, if, if that's what it's really about, if, if Jesus came to help you live your best life now and to get along the best you can here and now, if that's what Christianity is about, Paul says, we are of all men most to be pitied because we're fools. It's a pipe dream. But if Jesus Christ came to give us eternal life, everlasting life, well, then we are of all men most blessed, most privileged. Because that's exactly what we will find when we die. If we are his child. Friend, you are going to die. I'm going to die. It's the only way a life concludes. 
unless the Lord come again, you're going to die. Now, you know that. I know you know that. But I just ask you tonight, are you ready? Is that truth real to you? Are you ready to meet God? Are you, are you as a Christian struggling to let go of things in this world? And I, I understand that. And God, Jesus knows. Sanctification will look like more and more a hunger for what is eternal. Sanctification will look more and more like a realization that you'll never find satisfaction ultimately here. You, that, that the things that you have here, you will lose. You'll lose, you'll lose health. You will lose uh, status. You'll lose significance. You'll lose security. You'll lose loved ones. But if you belong to Jesus Christ, you don't lose life. You gain it day after day. And then finally, ultimately, beautifully, when we go to be with the Lord. And so let's live in this world like that's what we're looking forward to. Let's live in this life as though that's what we believe Jesus came to give us. Let's live as though we are not most to be pitied, but as though we have been most blessed, precious in the sight of the Lord, is the death of his saints. I pray that's true for you and me. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are mortals. You have ordained the number of our days. And every person in this room, it's been appointed once to die and then to face judgment. And Father, I thank you so much that in Jesus Christ, you've given us a way. You've given us truth and you've given us life. I thank you that in Jesus Christ, death is not the, the winner. Lord, some of us have stood by awful, painful graves. And our hearts were breaking. And some of us, Lord, this year or next year or the following will have those experiences. Father, I pray that today we could do all that we can do to make sure that we are in the Lord and our loved ones as well. And Lord, I pray for our loved ones who are not in the Lord that you would give them saving faith that you would give them a knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray we cannot convert our own hearts, much less anyone else, but Lord, you can. And, and you are gracious, Savior, and this is a day of grace. And I, I pray, Lord, that you would hear our prayers. As we pray for children, family members, friends, neighbors, as we eagerly desire to see them come to know Jesus and to, and to know life. Lord, it is a gift we do not deserve. And we thank you that all the glory goes to you. I pray, Lord, that now as we come around the table of the Lord and close out our day, that we would taste the glories that are yet to come. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.